Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 1-0 win over Arsenal on this fine Saturday. We're recording this shortly after the final whistle at Villa Park. Mr. Tom Nightingale is with me as well. We're going to run through this one with some raw reactions. If we if we don't make much sense, you know what? Ease off us. We've beaten City and Arsenal within the matter of a few days. Villa are two points off the top. We're comfortably in the top four. Unai Emery is the best manager of all time. Fortress Villa Park is going to exist for forever. And life is amazing. So, Tom, how are you doing? <laughs> I am slightly concerned that I'm a little delirious. I've got to be, I gotta be honest with you. I, uh, it's, we were talking just before we came on. You know, like you said, we're in the, in the very immediate aftermath of this game. And I... I feel like I'm struggling to process it a little bit, to be honest. Like the city, the city win on Wednesday was pure euphoria. And that's something to do with the fact that it's Man City, you know, they're English and European champions. And obviously the city game, we absolutely outplayed them for the full 90 minutes and sort of got the goal second half. And it was all sort of building up to that moment. Today was a very different, albeit still an extremely impressive win. It was a very different kind of win. I think we're safe to say, right? We That was a sort of grind it out bit back against the wall for a while definitely wasn't pretty a lot of the time but i mean it's just it's unbelievable really like that I, I can't quite express how much this villa team this season are exceeding my expectations of what i thought was realistic for us at this point i know we're only what 16 games in still you know still early although I mean, it's not that early anymore like we're into mid-season now but it's still a long, long, long way to go, obviously. But I never in a million years thought that we would be where we are now um, in December. It, it's unbelievable what is going on at this football club. I think a lot of people outside of the fan base will have finally cottoned on to just exactly what has been happening at Villa the last few months. You know, this week, I think, has really opened a lot of people's eyes outside the Villa fan, fan base. And it's just, it's crazy, isn't it, Cole? I don't, I don't even really know what to say. Like, it's... It's what a week. And to think that a week this time last week, or I guess last Sunday, there were some Villa fans who weren't particularly happy with the fact that we ended up salvaging a point at Bournemouth. <laughs> a week's a long time in football. Well, you know what? We can say that that was the uh, the launching pad for the last few ones. Why, why don't we say that way, Tom? It's been a absolutely crazy season thus far. Of course, we're approaching... Uh, nearly the halfway mark of this Premier League campaign for 23-24. I, it's, I mean, we're both going to sound probably lost of words throughout this, and I think a lot of people may appreciate that and understand. And of course, if you're a Villa fan listening to this, which with probably 99.9% of people are, I would assume, you probably feel exactly the same way. If you want a little bit of perspective, of course, in the 2019-2020 season when Villa uh, were promoted, after 38 games, we had 35 points 
this season after 16 games we have 35 points so i think we are safe for relegation so if we want to give a little bit of a round of applause nice, for everyone, that, breathe, everyone breathe easy <laughs> we can relax for the rest of the season kind of felt like that what the 2020 2021 season felt like to be honest but this is crazy to think about i mean at time of recording of course city haven't played they'll play on sunday same as spurs City are on 30 points, Spurs are on 27. Um, so regardless of Spurs win, we still have a five-point gap within the top four. I mean, they can both lose, and I would take an eight-point gap between Spurs and a five-point pointer between City, and I'm sure Luton Town fans would be absolutely chuffed about that one because that would bring them out of the relegation zone. But what Villa are doing, and I think maybe we should preface it this one for this particular uh, match, Tom. I mean... What not Unai Emery, sorry, what Emmy Martinez did today. And let's start there because I mean, we kind of, me and Dom referenced the impact that Leon Bailey and Emmy Martinez made against City on Wednesday. But I mean, this is the perfect example of if we did not have Emmy Martinez in goal, we would have not won this game. Am I being crazy? You know what? The, the, the big, there are a couple, but the big, big chance, I mean, apart from. You know, the goal that they scored that was disallowed for handball, which I think had that been ruled as a goal on the pitch, they wouldn't have overturned it on in, in you know, via VAR. But because it wasn't given on the pitch, then, you know, you couldn't overturn it because, you know, um, apart from that, the chance that really comes to mind for me was, uh, you know, Martin Odegaard had two really big chances today. One of them, he dragged it wide in the second half. Uh, there was one in the first half where he got the ball cut inside. He was, I think I'm right in saying he's about 12 or 15 yards out, center of the box, clear shot at goal. There are, genuinely, I think there is only one goalkeeper in the world who in that position, when you've got somebody like Martin Odegaard, who's like 15 yards out, has a clear sight of goal, that's on his stronger foot. There's only one goalkeeper in world football that I would back to save that shot from that position. And he's Aston Villa's bloody number one goalkeeper. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, obviously, when I was watching it in real time, I was like, Odegaard's going to score here. And then when Emmy pulls out that save low down to his right, a uh, save he shouldn't really have any right to make, I'm just not surprised that he saved it. You know, I'm never... Su- While I'm often in awe of the saves that Emmy Martinez makes, I'm never surprised anymore because he is that good, that consistently. I actually thought, in terms of ball distribution and decision-making and stuff, I didn't think he had a very good game today by his standards, Emmy Martinez. He just pulls... He, I can't can't believe how easy he makes top class saves look every week. And when you've got, got a goalkeeper like that, I mean, we've talked about it before. I know we have goal on the podcast, but like when you've got a goalkeeper like that in between the posts, how much confidence does that give you as fans? How much confidence must that give you as a defense, as a midfield to have that last line of defense? There's nobody better in the world for me at all. Um, and that did come up big again today. Got to be honest. There was also, we got... <laughs> We got very lucky on a couple of occasions. That one where Martinez, what you know, the corner comes in, I think, and Watkins is right in front of him, slightly, slightly, you know, blocking Martinez's line of view, and he kind of spills the ball. It hit, hits Ollie Watkins, hits the post, comes back out as a scramble. It doesn't go in. You know, we were, we felt a little bit like, um, we felt a little bit like we we were, we were star-crossed today. I think like we had the, uh, we just had luck on our side, and it. We've had so many times as Villa fans where that just hasn't been the case. Um, today, we really, really, really rode our luck. You do kind of make your own luck, you know, to a certain extent. And, you know, we I talk all the time on these podcasts because 
Villa do it all the time these days about, you know, if you can't win games, don't lose them. Um, I didn't think we, you know, I thought we were second best today, but we did the damage, you know, we came out, the came out the traps early on and we were so good. You know, we, we couldn't get out of their own half the first seven minutes until we scored. And then we score seven minutes in. And by that point, you know, one of our key goals for the game is done, right? From then on, all we have to do is not concede. And obviously that prompts a bit of a change in strategy. It's no wonder that Arsenal had so much of the ball and had the best chances. They're a great football team. They're 1-0 down. They're chasing the game. Um, I thought Villa managed the game pretty well. Rode our luck a little bit. And I just, I don't know. I can't believe it, to be honest. I literally (laughs) can't believe that we've beaten Man City and Arsenal back-to-back in four days and that we hadn't kept a clean sheet in the league for, I think, 10 weeks before this week. And we've just shut out City and Arsenal back-to-back. Mental, isn't it? (laughs) I, I don't... You're not going to get very sound analysis, I don't think, on this podcast, to be honest, because I'm I'm struggling to wrap my head around the magnitude of what Villa are doing right now. I mean, when do you ever get absolutely superb analysis on this? I'm just well, kidding. Yeah. I hope people actually do enjoy this regardless. <laughs> but, Tom, if I'm mistaken, or not mistaken, I should say, see, I can't even make a proper sentence. I feel like it was you and me that were kind of looking ahead to the Arsenal City fixtures in particular and we thought you know what if we got four points that would be absolutely amazing even if we got a point you know what that's a positive notion we maybe have to expect a loss eventually the fact that we're walking away with zero goals conceded two goals scored and all six points I mean you can see things online and I'm not gonna go on and on and moan about Arsenal fans I I do think of course every fan base has some group that are just massively entitled for no reason what I saw on social media was crazy basically you would have thought they would have deserved to win 10-0 by some of those mindsets and I I guess you know what you're free to have your own opinion but I think it is important to kind of preface the main kind of general statistics that most football fans will look at and have looked at historically probably when you're just kind of quickly looking to see how a game went and of course uh, just to reference what the BBC put up for stats of course Villa had 39% possession to Arsenal's 61 which there of course get some of that mindset that Arsenal dominated and fair enough they had lots of the ball lots of opportunities but I think it's also important to remember this is a Villa side the same Villa side that started of course against City looked extremely knackered after probably I would even say the 40th minute in my opinion and I was really surprised we didn't make more than just one change at the break and of course more quickly kind of came on um, as a result of that and good on Una Emery to recognize that But, I mean, it's also important to remember this is an Arsenal side that ran very close by Luton 4-3. They only got that last-minute winner literally in, what, the last kick of the game or something like that on, I think it was Wednesday or as well. I can't remember exactly when they played. But it's important to keep that in mind, too. Their side didn't change too much. The next thing you then look at is the shots. Of course, we had 10 with 3 on target. They had 12 with 5. I mean, it's not like Arsenal had 30 shots and 20 on target. And Emmy Martinez had to save the day every time. And the, the, the ball was cleared off the line 10 times. And I just kind of want to throw that out there because we're even on corners, three all fouls. We had 16, they had 11. It was a physical game with a, a, a lot of dropping down at times. Um, I don't know if we'll get to that in a little bit, but Tom, do you agree with that? I mean, we can say that we wrote our luck against Arsenal. And as you correctly said earlier on uh, when you were speaking, of course, good teams make their own luck and like there's no shame in saying that of course because it is the gods aren't darn honest truth but really at the end of the day it's not like we were holding on for dear lives and just 
pinned back to the extent we did nothing. Villa still broke out. They still alleviated, alleviated a lot of pressure. So, I, I mean, what do you kind of make it of in that sense? I didn't think that I didn't think Arsenal were great, to be honest. Like you know, I like we said, they had the they had most of the ball, and they probably they did they did just about have the better of the chances. But you're right. I mean, they didn't. I didn't. They didn't batter us. And part of the reason that they were able to have so much of the ball and be in the ascendancy so much is that we'd done our, you know, we'd done our job. Seven minutes in, one nil up at home in a place where we haven't lost since February in the league. Um, of course, we're gonna invite pressure and that sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we did. I mean, we, we got a bit of luck. I think problem is with a lot of football fans. I think sometimes is that there's this reluctance to admit that your team ever gets any luck. Right, you want. Every football fan, I think, feels the same way about their team. Like, oh, decisions go against us. Referees are biased against us. We never get the luck, you know. The truth is, is that over the course of like a 38-game season, teams get a lot of luck in their favour and they get a lot of luck going against them. Of course they do, just the way it goes. Um, One thing I will say is that like no team has ever won anything without a hefty slice of luck. You know, Arsenal, the invincible season all those years ago, they were, they got so so lucky a few times to win games or draw games and you know keep that invincible run alive any any trophy that you win any any cup that you win any champions league qualification you get under the belt you have had big moments of luck at various points throughout those campaigns we had a couple of those moments today there's no you know there's no harm in no harm in saying that but I, you know while arsenal had a lot of good chances and we did ride right our luck I, I i don't i don't know if i want to say that we deserved to win today but I think had Arsenal found like an 80th minute equaliser, it would have been very hard on us, really. Because yeah. the character showed by those players to win a game like that today, like in a way, like City was one thing, right? The City, we, I don't really know what the hell, Unai just got that spot on. We were clearly up for that from the kickoff. And we just, City having a bad day, you know, all of these factors meant that we just, to, to still my astonishment, to be honest, we just dominated Man City for 90 minutes. Um, Whereas, you know, today you ride your luck and you grind it out a little bit more. But in a way, you know, neither, neither is really more satisfying than the other. You know, while it's great to see us play Man City off the park and play football like, that I've never dreamed of seeing from Villa in the last cup, you know, well, what I don't know how long, for the last decade, certainly. While it's that's obviously fantastic, I'm not taking anything away from that. More of that, please. <laughs> um, wins like today as well just feel so good because okay you ride your luck a little bit and you know at some point in the season that's going to come back around and the luck's going to go against us you know we're going to have something that bounces bounces off the crossbar and down just in front of the line or we're going to have a goal you know ruled out for handball that you know is a bit messy and that sort of stuff like you know that's going to come back around so you've just got to take these quirks of fortune take these wins as they come um and Winning games like that, this isn't me at all getting carried away. We're very early on in the season. I still am very reluctant to believe that like Villa are going to win a trophy this year or that Villa are going to qualify for the Champions League. I just can't bring myself. Ah, come on, Tom. Come on. I can't bring myself to believe <laughs> that. But what I will say is winning games like today, as much as winning games like the City game where we outplayed City, winning games like this one today against Arsenal, that is what champions do. They when 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 the chips are down and when you're struggling like that you find a way to win and okay there was a, there was luck involved but there was a hell of a lot of character involved there was a lot of game management involved the press again i thought our i thought our passing was a little bit off and i thought our protection of the ball was was nowhere near as good as it was against city but i thought the press the high press was excellent again 
like we we barely gave Arsenal any time on the ball until the last maybe 15 minutes when I thought you could see the tiredness creep in. Um, but, you know, all of those things, like the character, the game plan, the, the, how well drilled we are, it's all coming to fruition. Um, I just, to be honest, never really quite believed that it would come to fruition in a week quite like this one. <laughs> well, see, so yeah, I, I think it's also kind of important to mention as well, like we can sit back at the City win and say that's the most complete, perfect performance we've ever seen from a Villa side. And I, I stand by that, at least from my yeah. perspective. Yeah. But we've seen, in my kind of mindset, two different performances, of course. One highly attacking, literally foot on the neck kind of mentality and keeps that pressure on. This one where we had our moments, we took it, and then we defended and just kind of coped very well and had a strong mentality and, of course, a bit of luck as well. And I think we had a bit of luck in the City game too, but it's it's kind of crazy how you can see kind of two drastically different performances in terms of what the game plan has to be because how the opposition are kind of coming at you or aren't in a way. And that's all within a few days. And this yeah. week, in my opinion, is the best example to show what an Unai Emery Aston Villa side is and how yeah. good we are and how far we've come. It's mental to see. That, that thing about two different performances as well, like uh, let's not let's not get the fact lost that that was same 11 players as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Same 11 players twice in four days against, I mean, maybe Liverpool as well, but certainly two of the three best teams in the league on paper, excluding Villa, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, to put in two very different performances like that, just Unai Emery, I there are very few people in sport who I would label a genius, <laughs> but I, I, I the evidence is stacking up <laughs> right for Unai that this guy is a genius. I can't I can't believe the turnaround in a year's time in this Villa team. And the thing the thing I love about Emery is you know that after the Man City game, you know that he went like back to the training ground or whatever and he started prepping for Arsenal like on Wednesday night. Um, and you also know that for like today's game, he had several different game plans. One of them will have been, you know, because he'll have he'll have hoped that we'll have come out flying like we did today, and we were fantastic for the first seven minutes, pinning them back until we scored. He'll have had a plan, you know, if we do score in the first ten minutes, this is how we're going to try and manage the game. This is how we're going to contain them. That that sort of stuff. And while Villa weren't perfect today, uh, you know, broadly, I think you have to say, I mean, the plan certainly worked, doesn't it? At the end, uh, you know, when all said and done, rode your luck a couple of times to get there. But it's, it's that adaptability, is that that kind of adaptability is one of many things that this current Villa side have in spades, and previous Villa sides, particularly over the last 10, 15 years, just haven't had at all. Like even I used to, you know, even in the O'Neill era, there was a lot of criticism from outside and from within the fan base about us being quite one-dimensional. And O'Neill not having the tactical flexibility and like the, the in-game management that makes a really elite manager or whatever, you know, we've got all of these components now. Um, so while I'm staggered at quite where we sit in the league at the moment, um, we're there on merit. You know, there's no question about that whatsoever. Even with like riding our luck a bit today, like we are where we are on merit. It's it's all that preparation, that high caliber coaching, the you know, it's just all coming together. To think that Steven Gerrard said that these players weren't up to scratch. To think <laughs> just, we even had Steven Gerrard as our manager. Like, it just... <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. Right? It's so embarrassing. But anyway, um, but it's just, you know, it's just proof. Like, you need a manager who raises the level of absolutely everybody around him. And I, 
I'm not sure there are many, if any, better in the world right now than Unai Emery. I, you know, I wouldn't trade him for anyone. Well, it's it's kind of crazy to think about it because, of course, Bournemouth, City, Arsenal. We have a Spanish manager, of course, as in Villa. Three Spanish managers faced in a row, of course. Drawn against the first one. Beat the bigger two, of course. Had never beat Pep prior to Wednesday. Does it, of course. Hasn't beat Arsenal since he's left. Does it as well. It's starting to turn into the the meme of the Reaper with the, with the door. It's coming back at this rate. I and saw then, that. I saw that meme actually yesterday with like fourteen opponents stacked up. You know, from home <laughs> record. Let's keep that going. Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely crazy. And maybe the one thing we can speak about, and then we'll get back to the the game itself here in a moment, Tom. Because um, I know we don't want to keep this one uh, too long. So I know we're a little bit t- uh, tight on space or t- on time. I don't even know what I'm saying these days. I'm just too excited. A club record fifteen home league wins in a row. I mean there has to be some perspective in that. And I'll, I'll get the whole list up in here just a moment once I hear your thoughts, but mental. <laughs> when did we ever think that was going to happen? And I did see a quote from Unai Emery as well, kind of just mentioning that he'll probably never accomplish some similar record to that with any other football club ever again um, for the rest of his career. Hopefully there's no other football club for the rest of his career and it's just Villa, <laughs> but it's uh, it's a crazy stat, isn't it? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is, and you know what's absolutely out, like absolutely outrageous is that we are at Villa. That was what February, I think, when Villa lost to Arsenal four two in the and even that even that you know it was two all until the ninetieth minute. Um, but that was what February. So we are now you know fifteen game fifteen league games won at home. It's been what ten months? Is that ten months uh, since yeah. since we dropped a point at home in the league. What am I saying? How is this reality? Uh, I, I just, you know. And the, 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 the other thing as well is that like I hear this, I'm still hearing, I heard it today from Arsenal fans, you know, that, you know, I heard this thing, yeah, we, yeah but you're away records. You're away, away record shit. It's actually, not, it's actually not that bad at all. <laughs> Our away record. Like, okay, we had a we had those couple of stinkers early on, like, new, new, you know, Newcastle opening day of the season, losing 3-0 at Liverpool. But, you know, like, one at Burnley, one at Chelsea, one at Spurs, drawn at Wolves and drawn at Wolves and Bournemouth, and okay, lost at Forest. Like that's the losing at Forest is the stinker or whatever. But I mean, if our home record isn't so incredibly good, nobody's batting an eyelid at that away record. That away record is fine. I think the thing is we've got like a mid-table, we've got a mid-table away record, and we've got a champion like 
beyond champion home record. Um, it's just unbelievable, you know. Um, and these, just one thing I will say is going back, you're right, we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago about this run of games. A, how many games we had in December and B, the fact that we had these tricky, particularly this tricky pair, you know, City and Arsenal. Um, six points is beyond my wildest dreams. Two clean sheets. I would never, ever, ever have thought. And I just, Villa will lose again at some point in the league. But what we've proven this week is what we've actually been saying as fans, I think, for a few weeks now. This Villa team on its day can beat any opponent. And we not only can do that, but we've done it this week twice over. No, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing as well, it's these last two games, Ollie Watkins hasn't scored as well. And I think that's kind of something important. It's a committee thing again. And that's another sign of a good team. And the one thing I was looking at while you're speaking, Tom, is I think we only have five more games at home until uh, we would sort surpass the May 4th victory, the one nil that started this run at Villa Park of last season against Crystal Palace. So five more games at home. If we win those, we've been undefeated at Villa Park for an entire year. That is just crazy. I mean, to preface that, though, of course, we still have to play uh, Forest at home, and we know how Villa play against Forest. Unfortunately, we have United at home, uh, Newcastle at home, Burnley, and Sheffield United. So um, they're all tricky, I guess. Now that Sheffield United have a new man, new old manager, um, I yeah. guess you could say. Um, so hopefully, that, hopefully, that new manager bounce will have sort of flattened by that. Point. Well, I'm slightly concerned because, of course. We all know what happened. That apparently was the only reason we stayed up. Of course, the the ghost non goal goal. Does this come back to haunt us finally? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope not. But regardless of that one, I, I mean, you kind of do have to sit there as well and kind of look at individual performances mm-hmm. on this one. And I, I will get back to the winning record thing. I'm trying to find exactly all the results here, and I'll, I'll find them in just a moment. But who should we start with here to give a little bit of a, a love fest to? Do we start with John McGinn, I know we've already mentioned Emmy Martinez. Do we just go talk about Unai Emery for the next 20 hours? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I think Emmy Martinez for me probably has to be our man of the match. Um, just because you know, you got you got pretty much any other goalkeeper in the world in goal, and you probably concede at least once today. I would have thought. Um, the thing is, that the saves that he made weren't even in his top bracket of save, you know, it's that it's he he makes he makes these outstanding saves look so so easy. Like the way that he read that Odegaard chance I was talking about earlier, the way that he read Mark, exactly where Martin Odegaard was going to put that ball before Odegaard had even really cut inside, he knew where he was going to put the ball. Um you can't I don't really, you know, that's a that's a top 1% if not fewer, you know, goalkeepers in the world have that kind of sense. I thought he was our man of the match today. I thought McGinn, broadly speaking, excellent. These last two games in particular, actually. I yeah. think you had to put it as collective. I mean, he's just... Every single time I'm on... Every, every time I'm on now, um, you know, chatting to you on one of these podcasts, every time we're talking about how well McGinn's played. And every time I think I say, it's gone up another level or whatever. Like, I, I, I he's... I always knew, you know, always knew he was a good player. I know he had a he had a little down run of form years ago now, right? But he's it's always been evident that he's a good player. But his development is phenomenal. I genuinely think he's one of the best midfielders in the league at the moment. In the world. You know, on current so <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> McGinnadine. McGinney Esther. Um 
it, he's just yeah, and he embodies everything. He was probably the outfield player I was most impressed with today. I also thought Diego Carlos played pretty played played pretty well, considering how dangerous you know Arsenal's front three of Saka, Martinelli, Jesus are, and then you've got Erdegaard coming in from midfield behind them. Like I thought Carlos was pretty good, but McGinn for me was the outfield player today who stood out the most because I. I do not understand. Like, is is all of his energy stored in his ass? I don't understand how he's still going at the end of these two games this week. Uh, like, you know, to, in the final minutes of this game today, he's charging around like you know he's turbocharged. Um, and he just the big thing about McGinn for me is that he he embodies everything I want from Aston Villa. You know, as a fan, he is absolutely everything that I want on and off the pitch. And so to see him hitting such heights under Emery, taking his game to a level that I think if I think if if you spoke to John McGinn, he's quite an honest, he seems quite an honest guy. I think if you spoke to him, he's probably playing at a standard consistently now that he probably didn't even think he had in him a couple of years ago. Um he he's, you know, yeah. I mean I love him. He's my, <laughs> it's just I thought he was excellent today. Um considering that we it was a very, very tough game today. He just knows, he seems to have this sixth sense of knowing exactly what the situation calls for, just how much aggression a certain game needs, or, you know, even aside from the tactical stuff, it's a mentality thing as well. Um, and he just typifies everything about this Villa theme to me. Um, you know, heart, heartbeat in every sense, I think. So, um Apart from that, I mean, I, I didn't think I didn't think anyone played poorly or whatever, but it wasn't like the city, like the city game, I thought. Absolutely to a man, I thought we were outstanding. I thought everyone was literally like a nine out of ten on the pitch against City. Today obviously wasn't wasn't quite that because the game was completely different and everything, but people managed it really well. You know, I thought like we had a, we had quite a few players get booked today. Can't remember exactly who. Douglas Louise got booked and Luca Dean got booked because they both missed Brentford now, I think, because yeah. of the yellow accumulation. Uh, I think Diego Carlos got booked as well. Maybe I can't remember, but it's it's little things like that. It's managing how many times in past years would somebody pick up a stupid second yellow, and would be have the kitchen sink thrown at us with a man down for the last like fifteen minutes. Little things like that, like game management. We're sensible enough, and we're well drilled enough, and we have that elite mentality. I think of um, knowing how much to give and take in your own performance and walking that tight, that disciplinary tightrope when needed. It's like, it's all of these elements that together are a big, you know, part of where we are now. I think that's kind of the interesting thing too. I mean, you look at um, Dougie Louise and Luca Dean, of course, missing out on Brentford, but like now you just know the game plan's probably changed a little bit. Now Dougie and Dean are going to probably play midweek, you'd imagine so. And Moreno is going to get a little bit, maybe a few minutes at the end, a little bit more rest. If anything, to be honest, the way things are going, that probably benefits things even more in a very weird way, of course. Uh, Brentford are missing Brian and Buemo for quite a while. So, um, I mean, who knows? That that doesn't mean they they can't beat us, of course. They do seem to have our number at times since they've, they've come up. And, of course, we know and remember from the championship days, the one thing I did want to reference was the uh, the McGinn's behind thing. For some reason, I, I don't know, Tom, if you ever watched Dragon Ball Z when you were a kid, but just the notion of having their hair color return for different powers, maybe <laughs> that's what happens. And it's just because it's covered under the shorts that we just we don't know that and it just clicks on. Maybe maybe he's a magician. He has to say one word and he just kind of grows in ability. And I think my uh, 
I think my favorite thing to come out of this week, other than obviously six points and two clean sheets against probably the two best teams in the league. Um, I think my favorite thing to come out of this week is, have you seen that uh, some Villa fans have started calling John McGinn brave ass? <laughs> yes, yes. I screenshot that on my phone. I was actually thinking of using that as the, uh, is, the thumbnail. It's, <laughs> it's my favorite footballing nickname I think I've ever heard because it's, it's you know, it's hilarious, but it just, it sums him, like that is him. It's like ridiculous, you know, it's... Um, so yeah, fantastic. I thought Braveheart was 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 superb again today. Should we be using that as the podcast title for this one? Do you think? I think, think we might. I think, we, I think we could do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair um, enough. Well, we that'll be, be an internal discussion after. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the nickname certainly needs more oxygen and more airtime because it is a is a whoever came up with that fair play because that is a sensational effort. Well, it's kind of funny. Like it's not really that difficult to come up with. I'm shocked no one has before. Yeah. But it's just I mean, so it's so obvious once you hear it. I heard it and I was like, why have I not been calling McGinn this <laughs> the entire time? <laughs> Literally since like 2017. But regardless of that, I mean the one player I do want to give it a shout out to, especially over the last two, one is Pau Torres. I mean, oh my god. I didn't think he had an absolutely unbelievable game today, but I, I mean his distribution from the back, the way that how composed he is and how quickly he was a force to adapt. I think most of us kind of thought maybe by who knows October, November, maybe even halfway through the season, we finally start seeing the best of them. I mean, it only really took him a few games, and it, it kind of makes you wonder. This Villa team is now just full of players where even I kind of catch myself thinking, like, how do we have all these players here yeah. at once? Like, how did uh, your PSGs in France or your Bayern Munichs? in germany barcelona's and real madrid in spain or what cities and arsenals in the premier league not see a lot of these players sooner or something like that because i mean they're going to be linked with everybody now it, this rest of the season like 30 times more a day just because of this but oh my goodness we do have a fantastic batch of players a big testament to like Pau torres i agree like his the way he's grown into his role as a starter has been i think key to quite how good we've been you know particularly of you know particularly at home but um how good we've been because i and I've, probably the best thing i can say for Pau torres really is that i genuinely think there have only been maybe a couple of games this season where we've really missed tyrone mings which i never you know i thought we missed i thought we missed mings's leadership like forest away sometimes at bournemouth bournemouth was a real struggle you know a couple of couple of those tricky games on the road and stuff i think We've we've missed maybe Mings's um, leadership and the sort of respect that he commands as a senior member of our squad. But in terms of performance and stuff like that, you know, when 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 Mings got injured on the opening day of the season, I was gutted for him as a man. Right, terrible injury to get. That was it was really heartbreaking to see. But I was so worried about what it meant for Villa. I was really concerned about r- filling the void that Mings left. Um, and so it's it's to Pau Torres's huge credit that I don't really feel like we've missed Mings that much. Obviously, still can't wait for him to be back. But I thought it would be like a gaping chasm at the back and we'd be leaking bowls and we'd be chaotic and all sorts. No. And I think that's partly the, the Unai Emery way, right? Is that you have a way of playing. Um, you work on all the finer details and stuff so much that in a way, it's almost a case of just to a certain extent, it almost doesn't matter the players that are on the pitch sometimes, I feel, because you have so much faith in Emery's system and the confidence that's flowing through these players and what we've built. And uh, yeah, Pau Torres has been a really, really 
really be part of that. I've, I've been very, very impressed with the way he's grown into it. And his his distribution, him and Carlos, their distribution from defense, their balls forward and spreading it out wide and stuff. The number of attacks we've started or counterattacks, it was particularly obvious against City. Obviously, they had no Rodri, which was a big loss for them. But Torres and Carlos were just like pinging passes through, slicing open their, their offensive lines and pinging passes through into the midfield. You know, um, that's obviously something that we've worked on and it's it's really, really, really paying off. And it's credit to people, it's credit to like Torres and, and Carlos for being such a big part of that. Absolutely. I, I don't know why it's just clicking in now, but like Diego Carlos is beyond intimidating. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm just cluing into this. I mean, he literally made Erling Holland look like a little scared schoolboy at times on Wednesday. And I, I felt like he did the same today and he brings that physical presence that I think is so underrated. And I, I saw a lot of people online kind of think, kind of saying like, maybe we don't need that today, Arsenal are a different beast. I think we need that every game. I mean, yeah. that is such an underrated feature. And I feel like a lot of people think that's slowly coming out of the game. But again, it proves it's still warranted. He made a goal line clearance, uh, made some crucial tackles. Um, it's fair enough to say that. But anyways, I know we are running uh, short on time, so I think we'll leave things there. So if you have anything else to say, Tom, I'll, I'll leave you to it now. I'm just, I know we've been all over the place again, as we always are, but I'm just, I'm just a bit, I'm just sort of a bit dizzy, really. I feel a bit, I feel a bit shell-shocked after that game. Like, I, it's really, really hard to process. And so what my parting sort of words before we sign off, really, would just be to like, just, just enjoy it, like Villa fans. Just like, honestly, it's very hard because the games are coming so thick and fast. We're not really getting very much time to actually reflect on the magnitude of what this Villa team are doing. Um but it's this is a special, special time, and I think needs to be savored as much as possible because things might, you know, things things might not and probably won't always be this way. Right now is beyond certainly. I don't want to speak for everybody, but certainly beyond my wildest expectations and hopes. Um, and so, no wonder I'm not making any sense when I'm talking. Really, you know. <laughs> well, to be honest, the fact that we've gotten this far in this podcast um, and. We're still having a conversation shows maybe we made some sense. So I guess that's some credit to us. Yeah. If this, sounds, if this sounds to listeners like a fever dream, then that's a pretty accurate description of where we're at, I think. If it's a fever dream, <laughs> listen to it again. If you still think it is, listen to it five more times. It, it, yeah. it helps our numbers leave the positive reviews too, of course. But uh, yeah, a little plug there. The one thing I will say before we jump off on this one is I kind of felt like heading into the City game, I thought we'll see what happens. Of course, a win. The Arsenal game, I thought, you know what? I'm going to let myself get a little deluded if we win. And I think at this point, it's a kind of dare to dream. I mean, you might as well, if you think you're getting carried away and thinking it's unrealistic, to think Villa are going to be uh, top four contenders, um, potential league contenders. I mean, this is the weekend. This is the next little bit to just go crazy, enjoy it. Because, I mean, let's be honest, who knows when this opportunity comes around again. Maybe it does for a few more seasons. Maybe it doesn't for years and years to come. Who knows? So enjoy it while it lasts um, and just kind of drink it all in, of course, responsibly if it's alcoholic. But we'll <laughs> leave we'll leave uh, Simon and Seb for that. But anyways, of course, thank you to Mr. Tom Nightingale for joining me on this one. Find him on Twitter slash X. I always have to preface that now because I got in trouble once. Someone said, you can't call it Twitter anymore. But anyways, uh, regardless of that, find him on there at TD Nightingale. Find me on there at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. You can email the podcast 
holdscast at gmail.com. And of course, if you want anything or put on the website, written content wise, of course, send that to 7500 hold main at gmail.com. Of course, like I always sh- should say, and I don't, if you're listening to this and you got this far, leave it a five-star review on wherever you're listening to platform-wise. Tell your friends. It's always appreciated. We should be back hopefully midweek after the Conference League game. But if not, we'll be back soon enough. So anyways, we'll leave it at that. And don't forget uh, the villa. We're going up. We're going up. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.